My name is Mark Ottenweller. Uh, Lynn and I, my lovely wife, there, uh, work with the singles. And if you're visiting, I'm a doctor. I work with Hope Worldwide and work in Africa uh, with orphans and little children. I'll share a little bit about that today. But I'm so excited to be here just with you. I want to thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, just for loving me, loving my wife, loving my kids, loving all my grandkids, all the cheering, and... Uh, and helping all of us <laughs> just take care of them. <laughs> but I tell you that some of these songs this morning are very emotional to me. We sang Break Every Chain. And I start crying every time we sing that song. Do you know what the Statue of Liberty, everybody's seen the Statue of Liberty, right? Pictures of it, maybe personally. What's at the foot of the Statue of Liberty? Chains because they've broken the chains of slavery for people all over the United States. And so we can celebrate breaking every chain, amen? Especially here in the church, but thank you for so much. We need to be praying for Tom and Kelly. They're out in Los Angeles. Kevin Maines, a 59-year-old evangelist in the L.A. church, very dear friend, uh, passed away this week from a, from a heart attack. And so be praying for the Maines family, for Tom and Kelly. Also for Sherwood, who's struggled with some ongoing medical problems. So... Uh, we just need to keep them in our prayers. Amen? Tonight, we're, or today, we're going to talk about Jesus. The theme has been Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. And they asked me to talk about Jesus in the Old Testament. So I struggled for about 30 seconds and I got excited. But we're going to talk about the great salvation God has in mind from the Old Testament. From, from 2,800 years ago. Uh, oh, I got the slide here. Hold on. I was going to, why don't they turn that slide on? Let's see. And so in Isaiah 59, this is quoted in Acts 13, it says, It's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob, to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. 2,800 years ago, that was on God's heart. The ends of the earth. Why? Because God's all the needs in this world the drought, the famine, the civil war, the disease, the AIDS, the orphans, all the different challenges of this world. And he saw, wow, look at all these things going on in the world. There are about a billion people believe that you can work your way to God. About a billion. About a billion believe there are many gods, and you can just pick whichever one you want. There's about a billion people think that the, that, that the secret is within you, to be enlightened on the inside. Imagine how God feels when he sees all these problems and needs in the world and all these things he hears people talking about. He says, man, I want my salvation to reach the ends of the earth. That's the salvation God has in mind. And of course, we can see tremendous impact when you do that. I know many of you haven't traveled as much as I have. I've probably been in 40 or 50 different countries. I've seen God working in different ways. I remember in China, sitting there in China, hearing people sing Amazing Grace in Chinese. And I thought, holy cow, this is a, a, a communist country now, China, and the people are singing amazing grace. I just started to weep to see what God was doing. I remember in the Ivory Coast, I got with a couple guys. They were from Burkina Faso. They call it Burkina Bay. And uh, that's interesting because that's a Muslim country. And their names were Amadou, Mamadou, and Mohammed. And I'm telling you, when we studied the Bible, they were blown away. They thought Jesus was kind of a good teacher, you know, a philosopher or something. And I said, well, he got out and he walked on the water. And they did, 
They said, what? He did what? I said, yeah, he went walking on the... He did what? I said, yeah, he walked on the water. They were like, they never heard that. They never heard anybody talk about that. And so that's why God, he sees the impact this will have all around the world, his word, his gospel, his salvation. And we can see that all around the world. And as we get involved in it, then we become more and more thankful for what we have in Christ. Amen? Well, we see the impact that all that God's doing. In fact, God gets really excited about it. He says here, announce this with shouts of joy. Proclaim it. Send it to the ends of the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. Isaiah 48. You see, God gets excited about it. Are you excited? God says, shout this. God says, proclaim this. Send this to the ends of the earth. And so he gets excited about why? Because we're talking about forgiveness of sins. Washing your sins away. Forgiving and forgetting your sins. Hurling the depths of sea. Separating east and west. Purifying and forgiving you of all of your sins. Wiping your slate clean. And God has that promise for all men. That's the promise. And so God's excited about us sharing that with people everywhere. Amen? That they can be forgiven and their sins can be forgotten. The Lord will lay bare his arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. You see, people need to see salvation. I remember Matt and I were sitting at uh, NYU in front of the Stern School of Business, thousands of people walking back and forth. And I asked Matt, I said, Matt, do you think any of these people understand the grace of God? They said, no. What about the great forgiveness God wants to give them? No. How your sins are forgiven, how you're born again? He said, no. Thousands of people just walking like that because they've never seen it. You see that? God wants people to see his salvation. I remember my first wife, Diane, she was very religious. She, she was very religious. And so she, she met some women, though, that helped her see the salvation God has in mind. She was blown away. If anyone's in Christ, it's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That was her favorite scripture because she saw it. How you can be born again. And that's what God's desire for all men is. Amen? See, I'm bringing my righteousness there. It's not far away. My salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion, my splendid Israel. There's an urgency about this. See that? Because we know about some of these problems. You can, if you don't know about them, just turn on CNN or some channel on TV. And then you can see the salvation that God has in mind. Many things maybe we even take for granted. But God said, this is an urgent issue. And I'm just telling you, this is why we all need to share our faith. Amen? Every single one of us. This is why we all need to study the Bible with people, amen? Every single one of us. This is why we need to be involved in family groups and come to midweeks and sit and talk about how we're going to help people, amen? Because it's urgent. We don't have time to waste. And the world now is getting crazier and crazier almost every day. He says, do not be delayed. Let's be urgent about God's salvation, amen? All of us, just the way God is. You know, sometimes we get a little discouraged. And think about it. This was written to the Israelites. There's probably five or 10,000 people in Jerusalem, maybe one or two million in the country. And God says, we want to do this all over the whole world, okay? Imagine the Israelites thinking, hmm, wow, how's that going to happen? But how does it affect us? What do we say? And I've heard all of these things said. I've either said them, I've heard them say, why me? Why us? Why now? It's too far away. I don't know about these people. I don't understand them. I don't know them. We've got too many problems here. It's probably the most common response I've got. 
just talking to people, about helping people other places. I had a woman, a spiritual woman, tell me, I don't want to hear about that, about the children in Africa. But I appreciate her being honest, you see. She made her uncomfortable. Sometimes we need to face that, amen? What does it have to do with me? I've tried. It's not going to work. It's all going to be wasted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there are a lot of challenges, okay? And, and we need to be, be real about that. But then why should we do this what God wants? I'm going to call Lynn, my lovely wife, up to share a little bit. <coughs> Come on, buddy. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. You know, it's funny when I think about God and his love for all nations, I immediately have to ask myself, why? Like, what moves God to do what he does? How does he do what he does? And uh, it's just amazing because I think everything about God stems very clearly from a deep, deep, compassionate love. And it's funny because you think about we do what we do because of what we value. You know, a mom wakes up at 3 in the morning. I mean, I don't wake up at 3 in the morning for a stranger. But a mom wakes up at 2 in the morning, 4 in the morning, over and over again for this new baby. Because it's something they value. We can see in our lives the things we value. And what I love the most is that God values the individual. That he values us so intensely that there's nothing more powerful to God or more important to God than our lives. You know, look in Isaiah 49. I love this verse. In verse 13, Isaiah 49, it says, For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. I don't know about you, but I felt that way before. Like, wow, God, where are you in the middle of all these storms? Where are you? And God says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And taking in mind that maybe there are some moms that can do that. He says, though she may forget, I will never forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, and your walls are ever before me. You know, I love that I'm always on God's mind. Last year, we had three grandchildren, and I loved watching these Beautiful women waking their mama heart. You know, all of a sudden, their schedule changed. All of a sudden, their priorities changed. All of a sudden, what they thought really mattered changed because they had this child. And I think how God is choosing moms to tell us, that is my heart. I don't forget you. I'm not too busy. I'm not distracted. You're always on my mind. I love that about God. I love to think that he's, I'm always on his mind, that he always wants to be with me, that he can't wait. Just like, you know, as a parent, you can't wait for your kids to come to you. Uh, to me, my kids are on my mind every single day of my life. I've been a mom almost 30 years. That's a lot of momming, you know? It's like, you know, and it's amazing to me. I, I remember sending my kids to school, and I'd be thinking about them all day long, and I'd think, those kids aren't even thinking about me. You know, they're out there at recess like, oh, and I'm over here. Did they eat their lunch? How did it go? You know, my heart stays there. God says, whether you forget about me, you're always on my mind. I never can lose track of who you are. You know, I love seeing Jesus' heart, God's heart in Jesus. 
I love that when I want to see an example, I see that compassion so clearly in the life of Jesus. You know, no matter what he was doing, he never let go of compassion. Compassion was so central to his life, it actually kind of smothers the gospel. You know what I mean? It's just kind of oozing through all crevices of the gospels, is looking at Jesus' love. It says he felt compassion for them, talking about crowds of people. I mean, for me, it's easy for me to sit here and be like, okay, there's a lot of people here. My first thought isn't compassion for a crowd. They might just be in the way. It's a lot of people, but he felt compassion. He was moved with compassion. It says he saw Jerusalem and he wept over it. Like, imagine Jesus coming to Atlanta and weeping over your city. Like, thinking, why? Why aren't you more united? Whatever. Imagine Jesus' heart. You know, I, I love a scene where, you know, imagine the scene, Mark's standing there watching, and Jesus is standing there, and this young guy throws himself at Jesus' feet, comes asking him a question. And I can imagine, you know, that Mark is like, hey, taking all this in, what is happening in each day, each situation? And I can't help but think that he'd look at that situation at the end of the day and be like, how do I describe what I just saw? You know, those times you've been somewhere and you can't put, together what you felt exactly and he says he looked at him and loved him a complete stranger just looked at him and his heart went out to him and he loved him and I think about wow what if a journalist was following me all day and watch my interactions with strangers what would he say she was irritated <laughs> she was impatient she was bothered you know I want and I've been really working hard in my own life to walk into every situation with compassion, to try to think of the why. I'm a nurse at the hospital at Children's, and sometimes parents will be so rude, and I forget that they're afraid. I forget that they feel so vulnerable and out of control. And for me to have compassion, I have to look at them with Jesus' eyes. I think my favorite always is, you know, the woman caught in adultery is amazing. I mean, wow, he could have been protecting himself, but instead he looked at her with compassion. I think that the woman at the well could have been too much. I mean, complicated life? Uh-uh. This is too much problems. But he looked at her and he loved her. And I think of the widow, and that always hits me since I was a widow, that lost her only son. I can't imagine how hopeless and helpless she felt. And it says that his heart went out to her. I love that he even writes those things. His heart went out to her. You know, Jesus had a heart 